Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, we're in week three of our series of cuppas on the texts that you chose for your ordination. I once again would love it if you would start by reading the text in its entirety. Absolutely. So this one is the Hebrew scripture that I chose for that special day. And I chose Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 8 in the New Revised Standard Version, which is what I had read that day. It reads, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This ends the reading. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. (laughs) I get that you start off with the I'm not worthy kind of Mm. words. But it's fascinating to me how you become clean, worthy, whatever wording you want to use here. Or does that just not matter? Well, and I think it matters depending upon how you want to take this text. Okay. Really, it depends on which direction you're encountering this. Are you encountering this text as a salvation text? Are you encountering this text as a text about call? Are you encountering this as a story of greeting the majesty and the enormity of the divine? There's lots of different pathways into this particular pericope, this small selection of scripture. And so there's lots of different ways. Mm -hmm to step towards it. Okay. So why did you choose this one? What way are you hoping people will get out of this? For me, this text has a very particular connection to my own story. Okay. So I was at undergrad at Susquehanna University when I was baptized. Mm -hmm. And in my senior year of college, I was getting a theater degree for folks who don't know that that's my undergraduate degree is in theater. And I was trying to figure out where I was going after I graduated. 
frankly, I wanted to have health insurance. Yes. Well, it's important (laughs) in this country. It is. And I'm an asthmatic and have been my whole life. So pre-existing condition means that matters a lot. And as a theater major, jobs with health insurance included are kind of few and far between. So I was trying to determine where I was going and what my path was. And this would have been, I believe, first semester of my senior year. And in that semester, I was taking an oral interpretation theater elective where we were working on things like learning how to read children's books to children. Okay. And learning how to use specific skills for specific tools. So oral interpretation is different than acting, reading poetry aloud, doing work on things like audiobooks. Sure. That's where my mind went with that. Sure. So the actual art of reading text versus acting text was really what that class was about. They didn't teach us how to read books upside down, but that's where I (laughs) worked on reading children's books upside down and how to present them and how to do that well. And one of the assignments for the class was to use scripture. Oh, interesting. Because it is such a historic text. Mm -hmm. And so... I went to my pastor at the time, Chaplain Mark Radeke, and I said, I have to do this assignment for my oral interpretation class. Do you have a suggestion of a scripture that I should use? And he knew that I was in the midst of discernment about whether or not to apply to seminary or whether to go on for a different kind of degree or whether to go start working at Arena Theater in Washington, D.C. He knew that I was right in the midst of doing applications and all of that kind of thing. And this was the pericope that Chaplain Radeke chose for me. Oh, okay. And he gave this to me to spend, I think I probably spent two or three full weeks working on this and working on how to read this aloud. As a total sidebar, is this something that you worked with your professor or teacher with? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. And it was a part of the curriculum mm-hmm. in the same way that we worked on how to read a children's book and how to, you know, solicit feedback from the kids and point to the imagery and all the different pieces really work on the echo when children's books have things that echo back, how to captivate on that. Mm -hmm. So you get feedback in the same way that you get notes as an actor. So we would read our scripture out loud. We would get feedback from our peers. We'd go, we'd tweak it and work on it, come back, offer it again. And just really work and hone on that skill of reading aloud in public. And so I spent a lot of time with this text and a lot of time with the imagery of the text. Uh huh. And just imagining that space, imagining that overwhelming sense of awe, the sense of the seraphs and the sense of the smoke in the room. And all of that, it's powerful, powerful imagery. And I think learning how to appreciate the vastness of the divine was something that I got from this text. The piece with the coal, Mm -hmm. with the burning coal, was never my largest focus. Okay. I think the imagery that caught me, and I remember the comment back, one of the comments back from a fellow classmate was, I was so curious 
how the angel was going to talk to you. If it was going to be loud and booming or if it was going to be soft and gentle, but how was the angel going to talk? And that decision, that choice, and having it pointed out, how did the seraph talk to this individual in such a way that in the face of the divine, in the face of this incredible majesty, that that person could have the courage to say, here I am, send me. And what was it about that interaction with that holy messenger and those few moments of conversation, those few moments of your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. You are loved no matter what. That moment, what was it? What did that seraph sound like to give that person that courage? And I think that that is all part of my call. That is all part of my understanding as to how I came to be able to say, here I am, send me. It is how I long to tell others of God's love for them so that they can have the courage in the face of this incredible, glorious love to be able to say, here I am, send me. Not because we have to do a thing, but because we are so loved, even though we know we royally mess it up, that there is a being this beyond our comprehension that can see past our mistakes and call us to love the world back into a hopeful place. It's gospel to me. It's hope. And so that's why it was there at my ordination And I love hearing it. This comes up in the lectionary. And so it's one that we get to hear. It's not like some of the other scriptures that we've been sharing recently. This is one that comes up in the lectionary a lot. I'm stuck on the fact that Chaplain Radeke picked this particular text for you. And I'm fascinated by that, not only because of the content, but the fact that it's really brilliant in terms of the class that you were going to do yeah. <laughs> then what ended up being the overall effect of this for you. Yeah. It's like a perfect storm. It truly was. Now, having said all that, I'm guessing you did not read this text yourself in the ordination. You had somebody read it for you? Correct. Did you give them notes? Nope. No? <laughs> no. In seminary, I did develop a class on lecturing, on reading out loud, Mm -hmm. and it was absolutely strongly based in my years in high school and competition and oral interpretation and this particular class I took in undergrad in how to do these things. So I have a like a six week lectures course that I created as an assignment for a seminary that I've used and taught many of the same techniques Mm -hmm. about how to do that kind of reading aloud and how it makes a difference. And then incorporated also some of the stuff that we learn when we learn how to do Shakespearean acting, because Mm -hmm. sometimes the language of the scripture is so different than what we would normally talk about. Like we don't normally talk about seraphs who have six wings and two, they cover their faces and two, their feet and two, they fly. And that kind of imagery is not our normal kind of imagery Mm -hmm. in the same way that we don't normally stare at a window and 
or stare out a window and say, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Oh, right? man, I remember trying to read, I think it was Peter Pan to my kids, like the original <laughs> one. And there's yeah. something about that language, which I don't think I made it through the book because it was so hard for me to yeah. spit out. Totally. And there are literal techniques that you can do to hone skill, to set your mind and your imagination into action so that what you are saying, you have the imagery behind it and it comes through more potently. And so that kind of skill, that kind of information, those kinds of things are part of what I teach in those classes when I teach them. Ah, it's fascinating. Okay, so all of these three texts, did you know right away which ones you wanted to use or did it take you time to sort of cull it down to the three that you knew specifically? It definitely took a little bit of time. I think I probably wavered between the Matthew gospel and we talked about Mark 3, 1 through 6, the man with a withered hand. Mm -hmm. I kind of went back and forth between those two for my ordination. I think that there, as I said, there's a difference between personal journey and corporate journey. There's a difference between my own reflection on my own faith call, which this particular text really embodied, and my hope that my ordination day would not just be focused on me, but would be focused on the whole body of Christ and our work together and our call as a whole community to proclaim Jesus. And so in that sense, that's where the Matthew text won over the Mark text, because the Mark text was, for me, is very much a convicting to me kind of a text versus a inviting in the whole community into ministry in the same way that the so shine mm -hmm. into the world, right? So I think this text was obvious to me. I think the Isaiah was obvious to me right away because it really was one that journeyed with me all through seminary. And while I was waiting, this here I am, send me. So this was a core text. The others were a little harder to find. Fascinating. Okay, that's going to bring me to my last question. If you had it to do all over again to pick three texts for an ordination, would you still pick the same three or has something else called to you in the years of your ministry? It's such a good question. And I think while there are so many other texts that sit in other places and call in other ways for me, these three remain for my ministry purposes really core. And I don't know if I would pull other texts or not. My dissertation text was How Beautiful Are the Feet of the Messengers Who Tell the Good News. Mm -hmm. And that heartbeat text of what an evangelist is, someone who is familiar and known and shares good news with people. I think that having spent so much time with that particular text now, that it's possible that could be considered. I think the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, mm -hmm. Her name in some is St. Fatini, and we've done a podcast on mm -hmm. her. I think that it's possible that I could consider that one in some ways, but knowing how I strongly lean into baptismal theology, knowing that I really lean into the priesthood of all believers, knowing that I have that, I, I think I'd probably land on the same ones by the end. Yeah, 
if yeah. anything changed, it would possibly be a translation that you would pull it from might be different. Maybe. Yeah. That's very possible. I think that there's lots of translations that have come out in the last 15 years and pathways towards translations that might hold a difference for me now. Mm-hmm. But NRSB is pretty stock standard. It is. The one that I really might have made a shift or a change in would be the psalm that I chose. There are just so many different translations of psalms that are so much more poetic than the NRSB. Yeah. So that might have been a place, but maybe that's another cup of for another day. Sounds good to me. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you all for listening along. I would love to hear what kind of scriptures you might choose for a special day in your life. If you are a listener and you're up for sharing, post it on our Facebook or send us an email at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.